0: Well, it's so good to be with you guys. So good to see you again. It's been a couple of weeks since you've seen me because I got married. Yes, I am officially Erin Victoria hyphen Lashley Dooley. Why not hyphenate that la- that middle name and make it uh, your middle name plus your old last name and then add your new last name on the end of that, right? Um, but it's, it's so good to be with you guys. Um... Yeah, I I can't say that I have much that I regret. The day of our wedding, so much of it went so well. Um, I feel like my sister was a huge help. You know, you guys know her as Kaleo Kids director, but she was also my wedding planner, my stylist, my hairdresser, my makeup artist all the things. So super grateful for my sister, Erica. Um, but the other thing, I mean, as much as I feel like we planned every little small detail, the one thing I could not plan or think about or did not think about was the fact that some of our family got seasick on the ferry ride, like literally threw up, like, what? I'm so sorry. I felt so bad um, because I was not expecting that, didn't plan for it, didn't know how to help them in the moment. Um, they wound up being okay, but that's just like, oh dang, That I didn't see that coming, right? So if you've never been to Catalina Island, it's actually an island just off the coast of California. So it's from Long Beach, which is where we were. It's an hour ferry ride. So the whole family takes a ferry ride to Catalina Island, Avalon, California if you've never been there. And as soon as we arrive on the island, our family books it to the top of the island, which is called Buena Vista Point. That's where we were getting married. Beautiful, beautiful area. While they're doing that, Kendall and I book it to our Airbnb, which is on the other side of the island. the reason why we have to do that is because we need this golf cart later as we're taking pictures, and spending time with our photographer and videographer to get more footage and all the other cool things. Um, but I have written a golf cart before. I don't know if Kendall has. I can't remember if he has or hasn't. But neither of us could figure out how do you turn the dang thing on. Like I've ridden one before, but I've never had to turn it on. And this little old white couple came up to us and said, Y'all, do y'all need some help? And I mean I've never been more grateful for an elderly white couple to approach me than on the day of our wedding. Lo and behold, they told us the secret to turning it on was to make sure the flat side up of the key was inserted into the lock, and then also to turn the knob that's beneath your seat to the right, and that's how you get into reverse, and then you can be on your merry little way. But in the middle of that moment, we were so stressed out. I was like, oh my gosh, how do we not know how to use a golf cart? (laughs) How do we not plan for this, right? So anyways, they help us, we get on our way, and then, you know, if, you're, if you know anything about photography and just daylight, right, you're really trying to have the ceremony and photos and all of that done within a certain time frame. So we were feeling the pressure of we only have a certain amount of time before the sun goes down. So we have to hustle. We can't afford to make mistakes. So we already made a mistake not knowing how to use the golf cart. God sent angels to us (laughs) and they showed us how to use the golf cart. But then Kendall hands me his phone. Now, if you know anything about Kendall, he's not that great with his phone. But he had given me a new phone as a wedding gift because I'd had the same one for five years, which I was so grateful for. But the SIM card wasn't working. I didn't have much time to figure out how to get it to work. So I mentioned to Kendall on the ferry ride, if you talk to him, he'll say something different. But I know I mentioned to him on the ferry ride that we were going to need to use his phone for directions to get from our Airbnb to the top of the island for the ceremony because mine wasn't working. And I remember him saying like, yeah, bet, you know, no problem. He hands me his phone. While we were in the golf cart, finally on our way, finally got it going, God sent angels, all the things. And that phone has three percent battery left. Mind you, this is a 20 to 25 minute golf cart ride. And we have got to get there. And we can't afford not to make it. So of course I could I, I said to myself, I can either be really angry right now, or I can take a deep breath and just pray. And ask God to help us get there. Because there's nothing else I can do about the 3% battery. It's what we have. We just got to get going. So I took a deep breath and said, you know what? Okay, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help us get to this island. So I just started memorizing the, the directions on the phone, trying to memorize Google Maps. I'm like, okay, we got to take this road and then, you know, five five 5.5 mile down the road, we got to make a right and trying to memorize all this stuff. Halfway down to... The ceremony, the phone dies. And that's when I began to slightly panic. And long story short, we asked several people to help us. Many of them were tourists as we were and didn't know how to help us get to our ceremony. I'm like, oh my gosh, would somebody please just help me? I can't be late for my own ceremony. I can't miss my own wedding. But God knew, and he came through at the very last minute with someone that gave us their phone. I was able to look on Google Maps and see that they were just three more minutes straight ahead, and we finally made it. My God, I was like, Lord Jesus, thank you so much, right? And out of all the wonderful things that happened that day, um, the favorite, my favorite moment was uh, the table. So after the ceremony, after we got in pictures with all the family and did video footage for the movie that we made and all the cool things, my family and Kendall's family and some of our friends that could be there to help participate all sat around a table at Steve's Steakhouse on Catalina Island to break bread together. Now, what was interesting about this dinner is at the end, my dad, of course, was planning to pay. He pulls out his wallet. Kendall's dad wants to also help pay for So they're trying to, friend in a friendly way, trying to banter back and forth on who's going to help pay forward or whatever. And lo and behold, as they are pulling out their wallets, the waiter comes to our table with a receipt in hand and says, there's an anonymous person here at the restaurant who was captured by your love. And paid for your entire meal, and all of our family's faces just dropped. Like, what? Like, say that whole thing again, right? Like, what did you just say? Because we are at one of the highest end restaurants on the island. People are getting swordfish and um, steak and lobster and filet mignon and all these different expensive dishes. Because hey, we're celebrating. We know it was gonna be. Ex- we knew it was gonna be expensive. But then to have somebody say they wanted to pay for it. And what was most interesting to me is the language the anonymous guest used to tell the waiter to tell us that he or she was captured by our love. Meaning that they were witnessing something that moved them to want to participate in what they were witnessing which then moved them to share what they had with us so they could also partake in what they were witnessing. Now what's funny is there were definitely moments when I was irritated at the table. I was hangry at the table. I was anxious at the table because we were just a bunch of imperfect people sharing a meal together, trying to love each other well. And it reminds me of the verse in John 13, 35 that says, and they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. There are two things I want to invite you to pay attention to in this story. Number one, they saw us sharing something together. And number two, they shared of what they had to participate in what they were witnessing. The common denominator here is sharing. The reason why I share this story is because number one, I know many of you are wondering how the wedding went, so that takes care of that. And number two, the title of our time together tonight is called Miracles at the Table. Miracles at the Table. If you didn't know, Jesus also attended a wedding, and there was also a miracle at his table. In John 2 1 through 11, It reads this, the next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each would hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples Believed him. To recap, Jesus shows up at a wedding. His mom is also there, and eventually she reports to Jesus that the wine supply has run out. Essentially, what is a celebration without the wine? At first blush, Jesus voices this truth that it is not his problem. Nevertheless, Jesus chooses to perform his first miracle. He takes some stone water jars, fills them with 20 to 30 gallons of water, and then has a few helpers take them before the wedding party. When they dip into the jars to fill their glasses or goblets or mugs or however people drank wine in the first century, they find wine. But not just any wine, the best wine. In Jesus' first miracle, he chooses his family and friends over his plans and upgrades the party. What's interesting about this story is a few things. The number six throughout scripture signifies work. The six stone water parts at that time were used for ceremonial cleansing, which the Jews had to do themselves. Each stone water pot was holding 20 to 30 gallons of waters filled to the brim. Jesus was basically saying, hey, you can work all you want to purify yourself, but I have come and my shed blood poured out for all people is worth celebrating. For the water being turned into wine is a picture of my love for you. It's an invitation to stop striving and just receive and just be. It's not just any wine. It's the best wine. And Jesus does this on the third day at a wedding feast at a table shared by everyone at the wedding. Which is a which is what many of us will experience later tonight at the table. Participating in a shared experience gives us the opportunity to partake together in joy, in belonging, and in community. I did a little studying on the science of sharing, and I found something interesting. In a sharing culture. The main goal is to co-produce, manage, and share resources, time, services, knowledge, information, and support based on solidarity and reciprocity rather than economic profit. It is said that the act of sharing releases oxytocin, the bonding hormone, into the body and increases feelings of well-being. This hormone also provides a stimulus to protect the bond formed against other surrounding bonds which basically means that you only share with those who are your people, your community, and your community is made up of people with whom you share. So, which comes first? Community or sharing? Our desire for community derives from the internal DNA. We all have to, in some way, in some fashion, share our lives with each other. But by simply sharing that meal or spending the afternoon shopping with friends, we begin to attach deeper meaning to the experience. Confirmed in a UK study by Lambert et al. who found that verbalizing happiness increased and sustained the well-being of participants well beyond that of simply having the experience. Shared experiences encourage us to become more aware, more mindful of ourselves and our feelings as we recognize and verbalize our emotions, and in turn the emotions themselves often become more intense when shared, all of which heightens the experience, planting it more firmly into the memory and restoring the balance between negative and positive experiences that our brain is recording. Philippians 2 reminds us, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Jesus left the goodness of what he had to make it accessible to those who didn't have it. Jesus shared. Jesus was blessed to be a blessing. The children of Israel in the Old Testament, a Testament were chosen to be blessed to be a blessing. But sometimes they forgot to be a blessing. Sometimes they became so focused on themselves, so focused on their own comfort, wealth, blessing, that they forgot to share it with those who didn't have anything. Now, I'll be honest with you. That's me too sometimes. I'm challenged to share the blessings that I have. Even when I'm at a comedy show with my husband, Kendall, and I order a delicious, moist chocolate cake that goes down like butter, and he voluntarily gives half of it away to our friends who are with us. True story. My immediate response was, why did you do that? I love chocolate cake. Babe, that was my chocolate cake. And he looked at me with eyes that said, oh, so this is definitely going to come up again in the life of our relationship. Yep. Okay, then. And as small and as minuscule and as funny as that might seem, the pattern of behavior tells me something about myself that I must learn to share. It tells me that deep down inside, I believe that there's not enough. That if I share it, I won't be able to get another. That if I share it, I'll lose it. Trust me, There are definitely boundaries in sharing, and I'm not saying that you should share everything you have all the time, because depending on the situation, that can also be harmful. But my point is that we have all been blessed with something, and that blessing is not just for us, but for others. But sharing requires a belief that we can trust that we are loved and cared for as I invite the band to come up, I would like to take a moment of silence and give you space to contemplate this question. What do those at the table experience when we join them? What do those at the table experience when we join them? Is it safety, harm, surety, uncertainty, healing, sickness, toxicity, judgment? Or is it love, comfort, kindness, encouragement, provision? To come to the table with toxicity, and leave sheltered and cared for, is a miracle. To come to the table with sadness, and leave with joy, is a miracle. To come to the table in isolation, and leave with community, is a miracle. To come to the table with shame, and leave with love, is a miracle. To come to the table with judgment and leave with affirmation is a miracle. To come to the table with hurt and leave with some glimmer of hope that you can trust again is a miracle. To come to the table with wounds and leave with words that comfort like a soothing ointment is a miracle. To come to the table with questions and leave with answers is a miracle to come to the table with questions and leave affirm that it's okay not to have the answers is also a miracle inside of each and every one of us is a miracle that someone else needs and inside of someone else is the miracle that we need just as well we like Jesus can witness miracles at the table if we can only learn to share. A Prayer for Sharing Our Stories by Tiffany C. Channey Gracious and loving God, as unique as we all are, so are our stories. Each story is intricately woven with the fine details of life, seasoned with memories, some pleasant, others not so pleasant. In every detail, every memory, every element of our story, you are present. As we share our faith, we witness to your ever-present, ever-faithful, ever-loving accompaniment on our journey. Help us, Lord. To share our faith stories and ways with people who might come to know you all the more as a result of our witnessing. Show us those with whom you would like for us to connect. Thank you for those you have sent to share their stories with us. Together, all our stories are a part of your story. For which we are grateful. Amen. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at KaleoPHX.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.